book of Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter 27, Proverbs 27, and we look forward to dealing with another uh, character, uh, another person in this series, the people of Proverbs, and uh, we look at another individual, and uh, this study tonight is going to help us uh, understand uh, we can both be, we want to be this, this person, uh, but it helps us understand and how to interact to determine uh, if this person is in our life. And you'll understand in just a moment uh, when I read the uh, uh, first verse of Scripture, then we'll move around like we uh, normally do on a Wednesday night. And I want to offer you some encouragement. I know the conference is coming up. And I want you to start making plans, preparation. Uh, everybody's going to get sick before then, but just get better before that. Get plenty of rest. Uh, I'm going to try and help out. The last couple of Wednesday nights, I've had three to four pages of notes. And you're like, we know, Pastor, we were here. Tonight, I have one page and one paragraph. That's it. That's all I have. The rest is up here. So it's going to be a quick night tonight. Let me tell you. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is one of my uh, uh, foundational verses of, uh, that I use for my life. You know, we have life verses. This is one of those that I use to make sure that my life is in the right direction. Does that make sense to kind of recalibrate my life? Or if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm facing some situations, this is one of those verses I look at and I apply it to my life. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The word friend, just thrown around very, very loosely, applied with all kinds of definitions. Tonight, we're going to be dealing with the true friend, dealing with the true friend. I think this will help us tonight because I want it to be said of me that I'm a true friend. I hope you want it to be said of you that you're a true friend. In life, you will encounter true friends and then those that would consider themselves a friend but by Bible definition, you can't call them a true friend. You'll find that there's, there's fewer true friends than there are acquaintances, friends. Uh, we'll see briefly at the end, God brings people into the life for a time, and then he removes them for a time. There's a reason for that. Uh, but tonight, we're going to be dealing with the true friend. Father, help us tonight as we look at your word. May we look at these truths, incorporate them into our life so we can be a true friend to others. May we be reminded that we have the truest friend in our Savior. Uh, may we be reminded tonight that uh, we have responsibilities to the people you place in our life. May we live up to them. May the scripture tonight reinforce uh, truths in our own life. May this be a help to all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. We probably all could give a definition of what a friend is. Uh, it's somebody you spend time with. In this, the generation that has grown up in the social media age, uh, they probably have a, a, a definition of what a friend is. It's all those people on social media that, uh, that, that like my post. Well, that, that might not be the most accurate uh, of definitions of what a friend is. A strict dictionary definition of the word friend is this, one who is attached to another by affection. Now, when you have a friend, you, you, like, you, you like them. There's some affection there, but that's not all it is. I'm afraid sometimes in our relationships, that's where we stop in our definition of a friend. I like being around them. 
Or there might be somebody else that's like, well, our personalities don't mesh, so we eliminate them as a possibility of being a friend. But if we continue in the definition, those, everybody has the potential to be a true friend to us. One who entertains for another sentiments of esteem, respect, and affection. Uh, if you have a friend, if you're, you're a friend to someone, you're a true friend, they have their friend to you, you might think higher of them than somebody who doesn't know them, somebody who's not their friend, which lead those things, lead him to desire his company. We gravitate towards our friends, don't we? We walk into a room, we don't look, okay, who's that person that hates me? I'm going to go hang out with them. Who's, who hates me? Who doesn't like me? I'm going to go, no, it's, the, it's, it's our friends. It's the people who we have those commonalities. We, we hold them in an esteem. We, we, we are attached by some affection, which leads us to desire his company and to seek to promote his happiness and prosperity. That's the key right there. A friend, by definition, is there's some affection there. We have some uh, Steam and some sentimental feelings towards someone. We we want to we we like their company. We want to spend time in their company. So there's fellowship there. But to complete that definition, that individual that we are attached with some sentiment, we're attached with some affection. We seek to promote his happiness and prosperity. That would eliminate a lot of so-called friendships right there. Because we live in a selfish world and somebody is a quote-unquote friend as long as they're promoting my happiness and my prosperity. We put up with a lot of people on social media just because we want that extra like. Because that does something for us. We will cut people off because they are not promoting my, my happiness and my prosperity. That's not what friendship is. Friendship is there's some commonalities. We like each, we like, we enjoy being around each other. We have something in common. We, we, we have some esteem for them. We have some affection, some respect. But we're seeking to promote their happiness. And their prosperity, which a lot of times means I have to not worry about my happiness and my esteem to be a friend. I'm getting ahead of myself, but a lot of people who call you a friend will leave you. You know why? Because it was going to cost them something. You really can't be a friend until it does cost you something. Because you're promoting that person's happiness, that person's prosperity. Let me just make a couple of determinations, and we'll get into the outline tonight. A true friend, by definition, and the Bible principles, and I'm going to back this up, is a friend by principle. It's a friend by principle. I, if, if, I, if I'm going to be a true friend, if you're going to be a tr true friend, then it does not matter if our sentiments change. Because I'm a friend out of principle. It doesn't even matter your personality. It's a friendship out of principle. Most people in this world, they choose their quote-unquote friendships by what is done for them. Okay? 
I'm going to go this far to say it, and I don't think it, 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 I'm not assuming it doesn't apply to anybody in here. Most people are a friend of their Savior as long as it does something for them. But when it costs them something, they're no longer his friend. A lot of times, children, whether they live in a home or adult children, are friends to their parents as long as it gets them something. We're friends to those in our life as long as, no, a true friend is a friend by principle. That's why to say that I am your friend is not something that should be said taken lightly or said flippantly. If I am your friend, that is out of principle. Then I should be seeking your well-being. That's why, young people, I'll remind you, your parents are more your friend than those people you find out there. Well, I don't like hanging out with them. Well, there's more to it than hanging out with your mom and dad. Because they have your best interest in mind. The authorities you have in your life that God has placed in your life, your parents, others that God's placed in your life, they have your best interest in mind. That's being a friend. True friendship is not determined by fellowship. We confuse friendship and fellowship because sometimes we said, we said friendship's at a principle, correct? That's not the only principle we have. That's not the only principle that we're supposed to live by. Sometimes there's other principles that says, I might not be able to fellowship with you right now, but I can still be your friend. I can still seek your well-being. I can still seek your happiness. I have friends. I'll, I'll go months without talking to them. And it's not because, I mean, I'm busy, they're busy, and the next time we see each other, we pick up right where we left off. Because friendship is different than fellowship. We confuse that as well. Well, if I can't spend time with them, they're not my friend. Or why won't they? Friendship. Now, we enjoy fellowship with friendship. But we cannot confuse the two. Because sometimes, and we're going to see this at the end, you have to pull back. That doesn't mean my affection for you has changed. It just means our fellowship may not be the same. And let me just say this, sometimes we're afraid to separate from people who the Bible would say have a disorderly walk. Or they would fall in the category that God says separate yourself from them. What does that mean? It means don't fellowship with them. Well, I, I'm not going to stop being their friend. Fellowship is not the same as friendship. And we're going to see what the Bible says is friendship tonight. It is not always fellowship. And so just because I might not be able to fellowship with you does not mean I'm your, not your friend. There's a lot of people who will violate some principles and they'll continue to fellowship. And how they could be a friend is they could pray for them. They don't even pray for them. But they want them to know that they still love them. I'm okay with letting somebody know you love them, but fellowship and friendship are not the same thing. A friend seeks their well-being. How many of your friends do you pray for? That's seeking their well-being. That's trying to promote them. So just a few things for us to remember as we get into the outline tonight. True friendship is not determined by fellowship. I do not have to fellowship with you to be your friend. I enjoy fellowshipping with you. But if I don't, I can still be your friend. Why? Because it's by principle. It is by principle. 
Okay, let me give you, I have seven of them from the book of Proverbs tonight. We'll go through these fairly quickly. Go back to chapter 17. Chapter 17, and we'll look at verse 17. Here's a great, say, how do I know I have a true friend? We're going to get to it right here. Verse 17 of chapter 17. A friend loveth sometimes. You say, Pastor, you know my friends. No, 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 no. A friend loveth at all times. How many is all? It's every time. All means all. No exception. No exclusion. A friend loveth at all times. Now, again, friendship and fellowship are not the same thing. But a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Number one, a true friend is revealed in adversity. You and I do not know who our true friends are till we're in trouble. You and I do not know who our true friends are till we have adversity. By the way, Christian, remember who you called at 3 o'clock in the morning from the hospital. Not who gets in your ear when you get discouraged. A true friend is revealed in adversity. I've had adversity in my life. I wish I could say I didn't have adversity. I wouldn't trade it because of what God's used it. But one thing, I have friends that revealed themselves to me that I didn't even know I had. Because that's what adversity does. That's what that is talking about. A friend loveth at all times. But a brother is born for adversity. I used to think, well, I had brothers, you know, growing up. It was like, well, when we get in trouble, the, the, the brother's there for us to fight. But I think there's more to it than that. Because usually you're fighting with your brothers most of the time. A friend becomes a brother in adversity. We would probably all say, if you're close to your family, that's good. You ought to be close to your family. But probably all of us have lived long enough that we have developed friendships where that friend is as close as a sibling. Or they're like family. We say they're family, and it's not just something we say. How, how does that happen? Because a true friend is revealed in adversity. Don't count your friends when you're on the mountaintop. Count your friends when you're in the valley. By the way, here's something for you to do. If you're a friend out of principle, everybody with me? It's, it's, it's popular, and there's nothing wrong with this, when your friend is popular to be there patting them on the back. But a true friend looks for the time when that friend is down. That's when they will reveal themselves and say, you have a friend. It's in those moments that friend becomes a brother because a true friend is revealed in adversity. This is good for us to remember because we're going to know who our true friends are. That's why you want to follow this book and these principles and the study has been so good because it takes our emotion out of it. It even takes our logic out of it. And says, this is what God says. This is the principle. This is what you should be. This is what you got to stay away from. This is what you ought to watch for. If you go down this path, it's going to end here. You don't want to do that because you're going to end up being this individual. It's very simple. 
So I can look at this from two sides. As a true friend, when somebody is facing adversity, that's when I want to show my friendship. You say, well, I can't help them. You can pray for them more than you normally do. You can communicate with them to let them know that they have a friend. I mean, there, there's sometimes, and, 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 and I've, I've on purpose tried to do this because I've been on the other side of that. Just send a text. Hey, you got a friend in Florida. Hey, I'll not bother you, but if you need anything, you can call me. If you, why? Because false friends flee in adversity. A true friend reveals themselves in adversity. They're born in adversity. Why? Because my principal says, this is my friend. And so if they're in adversity, my principal says, I am their friend. And so uh, that's not a true friend. And that's, who you, that's how you know who your true friends are, are those. And you can have good friends and you can have good relationships. But when you go through that adversity, you're going you're to find out. And that's how God gives you close, lifelong friends. That's why this church, that's why we're so close in this church, because we've been through some adversity together. And we're not just friends, we're not just acquaintances, we're brothers. And in some cases, sisters. That's who we are, that's what we are. So true friendship is revealed in adversity. Number two, look at chapter 18, in verse 24. 18, verse 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That first part of that verse, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. That's a good reminder. It's like, well, I don't, I don't have any friends at the church. Are you talking to anybody? Are you friendly? Uh, that's part of it. But let me say number two, true friendship is a two-way street. Notice in this verse, a man that hath friends must show himself. So he's showing himself friendly. He's receiving friendliness. He's showing friendship. He's receiving friendship. True friendship is a two-way street. We live in a selfish society, and sadly, it bleeds in even among God's people that I will be your friend as long as you're doing something for me. As long as I'm receiving something. Uh, as long as it's benefiting me. No, it's a two-way street. We all know those relationships that just take, 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 take. And the one time you need them to give is like, oh, I can't believe they asked that. I can't believe it. It's a two-way street. True friendship's a two-way street. We ought, to be, we ought to be trying our best to help, be a friend, be friendly, but then if we want that in return, we ought to be giving it ourselves. So if you want friends, extend some friendship. Extend friendship. Well, nobody introduced himself to me. You can go introduce yourself to somebody. Well, you've been a member here six years. Don't you think it's about time? Somebody knows your name? Uh, it's a two-way street. Same verse. Second part of the verse, and there is a friend that's even closer than a brother. Very simply, number three, Christ is the pattern of true friendship. But God has blessed me 
with true friends. He's blessed me with friends who've become a brother. What's, that's, that's a gift. But that friendship, which is precious, and we could all testify to that, is nothing compared to the friendship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. There are friends that I believe I would lay my life down. I believe they would lay their life down for me. But only one knew our true sin nature, knows our true failures, and said, I'll lay down my life for you anyway. How many times have we disappointed that true friend? How many times have we told him we would do something and we didn't do it? How many times we knew he asked something of us and he was depending on us and we came up short? But yet, when you called his name out today, he was there, wasn't he? To the prodigal that's in the pig pen... He's still there. Why? Because he sticks closer than a brother. Christ is the pattern of true friendship. So we get to a place, you say, ah, pastor, I know that that is not fellowship, but I enjoy fellowship. We all do. I know it's out of principle, but sometimes that's hard, and sometimes it costs you something, and boy, they just take and take and take and take and take and take and take. That person may not be a true friend, but I can still be a true friend. And just when I think, I, I, I don't want to be their friend, I don't want to pray for them anymore, I don't want to be there for them, we think of Christ as that true example of what a friend is. So no matter how, let's just put it this way, and I'll move on, no matter how good of a friend you are, you don't quite measure up to Christ. But what should we do? We should be trying to reach that measurement. I'm going to fall short. But I should still be trying to be as good a friend as the one uh, who is closer than a brother. Chapter 27, number 4. Back to, chap- to the, towards the end, chapter 27. We'll be in this chapter, the remainder of the study tonight, chapter 27. I'm going to read verse 6, I'm going to read verse 9. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Then verse 9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Uh, let me give you number four, and then I'll explain these verses. A true friend is faithful with the truth. A true friend is faithful with the truth. Look at number six. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Somebody who's not your friend will tell you what you want to hear. Somebody who's not your friend will tell you something that benefits them. But a true friend says, faithful are the wounds. We don't always like what we need to hear. I can't believe they said that to me. Well, they might have said it because they love you. Well, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and insert the pastor here. 
if the pastor really cared, he wouldn't be take, he wouldn't be saying those things. No, it's because the pastor does care. It's because he's your friend. It didn't always feel good. I promise you, don't feel good on my end either. But faithful are the wounds. If you've got a friend who will tell you, hey, you're being an idiot. Take that orange off. You're, 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 what, whatever. You're, 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 I, don't know, I don't know where that came from. You're, 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 because of some poor decision you're going to make, that's your friend. Well, I do, we're, just not, we're just not hanging out right now. Fellowship and friendship aren't the same. It's not the same. God, you know, when you read this, do you always like what you read? When the Holy Spirit taps on your heart and says, yeah, th- this is talking about you, or he's talking about you, or that was a stupid thing you said, or that was a dumb decision you made, you know you're not making the right decision. Is, is, is the Holy Spirit trying to hurt you? No, God's your friend. He's trying to keep you from making a mistake. And that's what a friend does. Matter of fact, mom and dad, your kids going against Bible principle, or they're doing things they shouldn't do, you're not their friend by ignoring it. You're their friend by correcting them, telling them. You can still love them and do that. Boy, we, we all need friends like that. To tell us what we need to hear. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Uh, we, a true friend, is faithful with the truth. Uh, we have to be friends. We have to keep the truth. We have to say the truth. And a lot of times, this is where a lot of this is where a lot of pastors will let things go on in their church, or they'll reap the compromise ten years later. Because they'd rather be popular or they'd rather not have to deal with something because, well, I don't want them to think I'm their enemy. Well, I know my intention is not to be your enemy. But if I'm your friend, I'm going to tell you the truth. That's why these, if I'm going down to this church and, and they, they tell you this, this, and this, that person's not your friend. And by the way, if there's a pastor who will talk to you Behind my back, they're not your friend. They're your enemy. And they can say, oh, Pastor Neil, he's my friend, but let me talk to you. They're not my friend. Not my friend. Pastor, why do you keep harboring? Because we live in the day of email, text, social media. YouTube, all those good things. You know, we didn't want, this should help us know who's our friend and who's not our friend. Okay, you go see the doctor. I recommend you do that at least once every 10, 12 years. You go, you go see the doctor. Hadn't been feeling good. You have this pain in your side. You, you're having these issues and you go in. And that doctor's like, well, if I tell them the truth, they're going to give me a one-star review. If I tell them the truth, they won't think I'm their friend. Well, hopefully you want the doctor to tell you the truth. 
uh, you need to go home and uh, clean out your refrigerator. You need to go home and do this and this. You might want to start exercising. You might want to start doing all those things. And, you know, say, I just got to tell them the truth. If you listen, you look back and say, man, that guy was my friend. Uh, we need the truth told. Then look at verse number nine. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. What are the joys of friendship? It's just to be able to discuss things with a friend. So what, what, do, what do preachers talk about? Well, some preachers talk about other preachers, but preachers who aren't gossips. It's like, well, what are, you, what are you doing in this program? What are you doing in this ministry? What do you think this is talking about? I'm thinking about doing this in my, in my church. What do you think about it? And the fact that you can talk about it and discuss it and draw wisdom from them while they draw some wisdom from you, and you both leave better for the conversation, well, that is a wonderful thing. It's not just with preachers. It could be, it could be in our relationships in our church. We ought to be able to have those conversations with just to draw that counsel out of the heart of a friend. What, what do you think in this situation? What should I do in this situation? This is what I'm thinking. A true friend, though, is faithful with the truth. Number five, chapter 27, verse 10. We looked at this verse last week. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Number five, a true friend is loyal. I, I spent the whole Bible study on disloyalty last week. Wednesday, and if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go listen to it. If you were here, I'd encourage you to go listen to it again. But I'll just say that this week. You're a true friend is loyal. Look, look, it says, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. I pointed out last week that there's some relationships that God puts in our life that he wants us to have. Here's one. Here's my friend, but it's, here's, a, here's my father's friend. This person who's my friend, this is somebody who's important to them. And so, therefore, I'm willing to extend my friendship. Certainly in this day, if I'm your friend and something happened to you, I have a responsibility as your friend to help take care of your family. In many cases, if somebody harms you because I'm your friend, well, somebody harmed my father. Well, he's your father. He's your fr That's my friend, too, so now I have to go avenge him. That there's principles, there's relationships that God puts in our life that says we should be loyal to. And a friendship is one of those relationships. Why? Because it is established by principle. So God put us together. God allowed our paths to cross. I guarantee you every one of us have friends that if you'd have told us 10 years ago, this person described, this person's going to be your friend, and say, what in the world are you talking about? There's no way I'm having a friend, being a friend with anybody north of the Mason-Dixon line. There's just no way. I'm not doing it. We all have friendships like that, and we should be loyal. We've already touched on this. When adversity comes, that's not when you walk away. Well, there's in this day of the, the cancel culture, and well, I can't, I can't, I can't stand on that because it's gonna. Well, that you're not a true friend, or you're willing to forsake it, to let it go. To walk away from it. 
A true friend is loyal. Now, again, don't, don't misunderstand loyalty, and I'll not re-teach everything I did last week because I just mentioned this. Remember, loyalty is not agreement. You and I can disagree. That doesn't mean you're disloyal to me. I'm disloyal to you. There can be, disagree- there can be disagreement. Just because somebody has a different opinion doesn't mean they're disloyal. So as a friend, we can have disagreements, and I don't forsake that friendship. So a true friend is going to be loyal. That will be a goal of every one of us, is a true friend is loyal. Number six, look at chapter 27 and verse number 10. We just read it. Forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house at the day of the calamity, for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Thine own friend, thy father's friend. Now, number five, we said a true friend is loyal. Number six, I've kind of already touched on it, but let me go ahead and give it to you. You choose to be a true friend. Notice what it says. Thine own friend and thy father's friend. You've chosen to be a friend of thine own friend, but then you choose to be a friend to thy father's friend. You choose to be their friend without even spending the same amount of time you did with your friend. You choose, see, we have this, we have this wrong idea today that if you do for me, then I'm your friend. And then if I do for you, then you're my friend. And as long as we can do for each other, then we can be friends. And no matter what you do, I'm obligated to go with you because we're friends. But by, by Bible definition, with even dictionary definition, friendship is a choice. And you and I need to get in the place, well, they, I just my, my feelings have changed about them. You know, your feelings can change about somebody and you still have a responsibility to be their friend? Because you chose to be. You chose to be. It's a choice. Well, I don't have any, I don't have any friends. Well, who are you a friend to? I can't control how many friends I have. Don't miss this. But I can control how many I am a friend to. There there are some people who, for whatever reason, they, 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 they have... They have forgotten about my wonderful personality. They have forgotten about just how, how, how wonderful of an individual I am. And, and they keep trying to get away from me. And I just keep being their friend. You say, why do you do that? Because it's not about their... They portrayed you. It's not about their principles. It's about my principles. God will deal with them in whatever area they have violated Scripture. That's not up to me to judge. My responsibility is, am I a friend? Well, there are t- too many Christians walking around. Why are they mad at me? What's going on? We need to flip that. How am I being a friend? If that's how we look at friendship, somebody can be mad at you for two months and you won't even know it. And then when you realize it, they've already forgotten why they're mad at you. Because it's about you choosing to be a friend. There are people out in this world, you know what it would do for them if somebody chose to be their friend? Number seven. Last one, but it has four subpoints. Back to our text, 27 verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Iron, that metal, you sharpen it with another metal. 
I'll give you the principle in just a second, number seven, but let me say this. You, too many people are choosing their friend. They may be iron, but they're choosing not a metal as a friend. And it's not sharpening them. Sometimes we'll do that because we're intimidated by or we're so insecure in ourself that if you put another metal in the metal, how are you going to get sharpened? Number seven, a true friend produces growth. A true friend produces growth. Those of you that are business-minded and, and that sort of thing, you probably heard this or read this. If you're the most intelligent in the room, you're in the wrong room. I got I to gotta go. No, just kidding. Some of you will get that tomorrow, which proves my point. But <laughs> what is the point? There's nobody that can challenge your thinking. There's nobody that can push you. It, 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 there's so many wonderful principles of this. A true friend produces growth. So how does that happen? I have to be growing in order for me to help my friends grow. Because if my iron gets dull, how am I going to help somebody else? So the best way that I can be a friend, I enjoy. Let me use me as your pastor as the illustration of me being your friend. I don't get to fellowship with you as much as I would like to. And I'll just say, well, it's more important that I, I study so that I have something to say when I get up here. It's more important that I pray for you. It's more important that, that I, I have a response with administration. I, I can't fellowship. I mean, I do my best, but I can't fellowship as much as I'd like to. But that doesn't mean I'm not your friend. How's the best way? that I can be your friend. Well, by definition, I should be seeking to promote your happiness and your prosperity, which in every case, but especially in this case, is for you to become more like your Savior, and you're going to be happier, and you're going to have more prosperity. But outside of praying and teaching you the Scripture, it's leading you to grow. You can probably remember this. When I set these goals to double, I set the goals to... Uh, double our giving, double our attendance, double all those things. I've made a statement several times. I had to count the cost in that because I knew what it would require of me in my growth. Because if I'm not growing, how, in the, how can I help you grow? Quite frankly, that's why a lot of churches aren't growing because the pastor don't want to grow anymore. So a true friend produces growth. Now, I'm going to help you evaluate that tonight. Because sometimes, I made the statement in the beginning, God brings people in your life, and then God brings people out of your life. There's a reason why that happens. You know, there's growth that God wants us to have. You should not want to stay the same as a Christian. You shouldn't go backwards. If you could say you're closer to the Lord last year than you are this year, you need to get that right. You don't want to go backwards. We all know that. You don't want to stay the same. Because if you're staying the same, you're going backwards. 
So I want to grow. And, you know, that's why a lot of people, quite, and, and I say this with, with, you just have to, just let me say it and then deal with it as I say it. There are some people, they're good people, but they, they're, they're not going to be able to handle our church. Because the direction, the preaching, the pressure is going to be grow. Now, if God brings you here, guess what he wants you to do? Grow. But we, to grow, hurts sometimes. To grow makes us sacrifice things. It's like, you go say, I want to be a world-class athlete, but I don't ever want to get off my couch. I want to eat whatever I want to eat. I want to, I want to sleep as much or as little as I want to sleep. Now, give me those results. No, you're going to have to make some changes. I want to be as close to the Lord. I want to reach God's will for my life. But you're going to have to grow. You didn't come out of church nursery that way. We have to grow. So let me give you, there's, there's four little stages here. If we can evaluate the state of a friendship, and you can determine it by growth. And again, this ties into everything we've already said. It's, there's principle. It's not the same as fellowship. Let's let me give them through. There's several scenarios. Number one, you grow, but the friend doesn't grow. How can you stay in fellowship if you're growing, but your friend's not growing? Because iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So if you're growing, but the friend doesn't grow, in order to keep growing, you might need to move on from this friendship. That doesn't mean you give up your principles. It just means I've got to keep growing, so therefore the fellowship is going to naturally go like that. Number two. Let's flip that. You don't grow, but your friend grows. In order for them to grow, they may need to move on from this friendship. Again, not becoming your enemy, but the fellowship. Why, I'm growing, but you're not growing. Why, they just think they're too good for me. Maybe they're growing. And you're not growing. Or... You'll, you'll, if, you're, if you say, well, I'm growing, you're not growing, so it's like, we don't hang out anymore. Well, it's, you know, if you come to Bible study, but you're not coming to Bible study. We don't spend time together. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm in this ministry, I'm going on visitation, I'm going soul winning. I'm taking that step, you're not, there's going to be some natural separation there. An, a, another one. Neither of you grow. That's an unhealthy friendship. If your friend does not lead you to grow and you do not lead your friend to grow, that's an unhealthy relationship. But I've known them my whole life. I'm not saying you become their enemy. I'm not saying you stop praying for them. You stop loving them by principle. If they go in adversity, boom, you're there. But it's an unhealthy relationship. Why? Because... A friend is supposed to sharpen the countenance of his friend. Your friend should make you a better Christian. And if they don't, you've got to evaluate that relationship. 
It's true. You and I both know there are some people, if we're around them, they put out our fire for God. They're like a bucket of cold water. And look at everything God's doing. And then they're just waiting to tell you why it's not real. Or it's as simple as, this may help mom and dad determine your, your kid's friends. It's like, this person's not a bad person. This person's not a bad person. They might have the same weaknesses. And so it's like fire and gasoline. It's not sharpening the countenance. We can still keep our principles, I'll be your friend. I will try and do my best to promote your well-being, advance you however I can. I'll pray for you. God can certainly bless you better than I can. When I can fellowship, I'll fellowship. But either I'm not sharpening you or you're not sharpening me or we're dulling each other. That's an unhealthy relationship. So we said you grow, but the friend doesn't grow. You don't grow, but your friend does grow. You ever notice why after a period of time, it's like, we just don't seem close anymore. I promise you, somebody's growing and somebody's not growing. Or you got two people that aren't growing, and you end up backsliding together. The last one is the one we like. You both grow. That's true friendship. I I determine as a pastor, I'm not having pastor friends that dull the edge of my knife. You know what? God has brought people in my life, and for a time, they helped me grow. And then it's like, why aren't you growing anymore, dude? I got to keep growing. And as I start growing, they're pulling on you, trying to keep you from growing. Why? Because they're not growing. I'll be your friend if you're ever in adversity. I'll be there for you because that's when you know when you got your true friends. I'll pray for you. I'm not going to try and hurt you, but we got to grow. And then God brings people in your life where you're both growing. That's true friendship. True friendship. You and I should have the mindset that a true friendship, which is God-given, will not keep you from growing. If somebody is keeping you from growing as a Christian, they're not your true friend. If they are working against you growing, they're not your friend. You got to surround yourself with people. Those are friends that God gives you. The older I get, now this is probably true of everybody, but I'll just use, I can only relate from my, my, per, uh, my perception, is the older I get as a, as a preacher and as a pastor, I worry less about personality. And more about, are we going the same direction? Am I better when I'm with you? Are you better when you're with me? Those are friends that God brings in our life. A true friendship is God-given will not keep you from growing. I can state this for myself, and it wouldn't be bad for everybody to adopt. I'm not limiting my growth for anyone. For anyone. Your pastor, you're no hear me. I will take you with me as I grow, but my responsibility to God is to grow. Every parent, your responsibility is to keep growing as a Christian. For your for your family's sake. We we're, we we are we go to church together, we're 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 brothers and sisters in Christ together, we're friends. 
I wish I could do more for my friend. Grow. That's the best thing you can do for your friend. That's the best way to be a friend is I'm going to keep growing. I'm not going to get satisfied with where I am in life, where I am in my Christian life, where I am in my prayer life. I want to continue to grow. A lot of times this, puts, this is frustrating with, with, with young ladies and young men as they try and date because you got one trying to grow and the other one not wanting to grow. Don't dare marry each other if you're not both growing. You have to be growing. A friendship, enjoy it, take advantage of it, but if one's going to stop growing, that relationship, as you know it, has an expiration date on it. Because if you keep growing, you're going to grow out of fellowship. But you know what God will do? He'll bring somebody else in your life that's growing. And you can continue to grow. See, it's important we get to that place and we can let friends keep us from growing. And by the way, why, why don't we stop bringing the standard down and help others grow to the standard? That's, that's the Bible way. If I keep the, if I'm going to grow, somebody's coming with me. So, Pastor, what if nobody goes with you? Well, then I'll still be closer to what God wants me to be by myself. But the truth of the matter is, if we don't allow iron to sharpen iron among us as friends, and if somebody pushes us, this is what we do. Well, they, I felt uncomfortable, so I, I, I'm going to move on from that relationship. Well, if you feel uncomfortable because they're pushing you in the right direction, that's the relationship you need. Because it's going to help you grow. We shouldn't be afraid of growing. We have to keep growing. And if I grow in my capacity, I can be, I can grow as a person. I can grow in my capacity as a friend. I can help somebody else. So that iron sharpeneth iron. We ought to help somebody else grow. Choose your friends. The more mature we get, we start choosing our relationships based off, can this help me grow? I'm not talking about can I use them to get to where I'm going. You sniff that out pretty quick. Because true friendship is I'm a friend at a principle. But a friend sharpens the countenance of his friend. So does anybody here have a friend? You have at least one? You have a responsibility to sharpen them. How do I do that? By keep improving yourself. And it should work. Well, I improve, which makes them improve. They're improving, causes me to improve. My improving causes them to improve. They're improving, causes me to improve. Our relationships should better us and push us closer. If they're not, they're not the right relationships. And I, I think a lot of times Christians ought to let go of fellowship. You can keep friendship. But if you let go of some fellowship, you could keep growing. So, Pastor, how do you determine who you fellowship with and who you don't? This is bonus. I'm done with the dealing with a friend. This is just bonus for you. Well, one, if the Bible forbids my fellowship, then my fellowship with them is forbidden. But in some cases, it's as simple as our fellowship, we grow apart because 
I want to continue growing. And God forbid, it's the other way around where I don't want to grow in an area, then they, they have a responsibility to limit that fellowship. Because you have a responsibility, just as I have a responsibility, to become the best version that God would have us to be, which means the more like Christ we are. That's our goal. Boy, I've discovered this. Not everybody wants that as bad as I do. Not everybody wants that. And so I can love you, and out of principle, I will still be your friend. I will, I will, I will speak to you. I will, I will, if you can call me in the middle of the night, and I will help you. By the, by the way, that's better than just fellowship. I enjoy fellowship. But if we have to choose, don't we want to be able to, I know this person is going to be there with me and for me. So if I grow, I want to help those around me grow. Don't stop growing because of relationships you have. Matter of fact, a lot of us, if we were growing, we'd pull people with us. Uh, every head of house, every man, don't complain about the lack of growth in your home. How's your growth? You grow and you'll pull everybody in that house up with you. Well, my kids, uh, well, you ain't got no hope for them. I've seen your kids, but no. We, we, we grow, we pull our kids up. Matter of fact, the stronger church you go to, the stronger your kids are going to be. So I just don't like the personality of the pastor. I hope you didn't choose this church because of the personality of the pastor. I hope you, you chose it because God brought you here. I hope you chose it because it's a strong Bible preaching church that's going to push you to become the best that you can be for Christ. That's why you ought to be part of a church. Well, it's just a fellowship. That's not what you're here for. Fellowship is good. We ought to have fellowship. But we ought to grow. So let's continue to grow as friends. Let's be a true friend. Father, help us to be the true friend.